Welcome, folks, back to another episode of Southern Scrap Nation's podcast. Your host, as always, on this wonderful Monday morning, Daniel Jonas. And it is July 13th, 2020, uh, here, Charlotte, North Carolina, as always, uh, or usually. Uh, Like I said, it's Monday in the morning. I hope you all had a great weekend. I had an awesome time watching the fights on Saturday night as well. I hope you guys did, too. Uh, Today we'll be going over those fights as well as a little bit of what's in the news. Um, And then I'll just get everyone ready for the fights on Wednesday because we got three fights this weekend. We got or three fights this week. We had the one this past Saturday. We have one this Wednesday and then we have one Saturday. All taking place on Yaz Island in Abu Dhabi. So before we get into the fights, remember you can check out the podcast on SouthernScrapNation.com as well as all your listening apps, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play. Uh, podcast app, wherever you find this podcast, you can find it. Just remember, Southern Scrap Nation and SouthernScrapNation.com, as well as all social media platforms, you can catch us there. Once again, that's SouthernScrapNation.com. Okay, so let's get into it. This past week, it had a bunch of wonderful fights. Even with the late replacement, we got to see a five-round battle between Kamar Usman and Jorge Masvidal. So let's go over some of the highlights from the fight, or from the, from the fights, and then we'll go over the, the actual implications of the winners and losers of the fight. Sorry, I am. Ooh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm hiccuping. So why don't we get into it? So as far as the early prelims go, not much to talk about there. We had one knockout from Davey Gant against Martin Day. It was a nice left hook. Then you go into the prelims. Um, I mean, Makwan Amirakani getting that submission like I said he was going to. Uh, Leonardo Santos uh, giving a new fighter uh, his first loss, a Russian fighter's first loss. Leonardo Santos proving that you can do it still at 40. Um, he, man, he had this Russian hurt, hurt. Like, this guy, I've never seen a fighter. I think, I mean, there's definitely been comebacks from, like, being hurt and then going to win the fight. But as far as not being able to win the fight, because this guy, we'll get into it. But first, Leonardo Santos clipped this guy in the beginning of the round, and then the second round clips him again and has him, like, extremely hurt. I mean, we can get the numbers. Yeah, has him extremely hurt, 16 to 81. Um, Has him hurt. Has him chicken legging, trying to run away. And then Leonardo Santos tires himself out, ends up getting taken down by Roman uh, Bogatov. And then Roman, you know, clears his head. But what ends up fucking Roman is that he does two illegal shots to the groin, whether they are, you know, whether they were because he was tired and he was looking for a time to. You know, recover. Um, either way, that then led to him kneeing a downed opponent and then getting two points taken from him, which kind of just loses him the fight. I think he was winning the first round or something. Then the second round uh, was looking more, or he was losing the first round. Uh, either way, the the two points really cost him and kind of, if anything, lost him the fight. Um, but that's just experience. And that's the difference between a guy that's eight, 18, 4, and 1 and a guy that's 10 and 1. And at the time, 9 and 0. 
or 10 and 0. So we move on. Mike Wanna Green or Connie, first round submission. His Patton and Anaconda, which is crazy because he turned into a Darce. And then Danny Henry's, like, he wanted to get his back to the mat, which for an Anaconda is what you want to do. But once it starts turning into a Darce mechanic, you got to get flat in your stomach. So, I don't know, kind of just bad technique, bad time. It was pretty sunken anyways. Like, the more you squirm and stuff, the more it was going to take Mach It was going to allow Mach 1 to, to, to really... Um, capitalize and start sinking in. And then Muslim Salikov versus Elias Zaleski Dos Santos. Muslim Salikov goes in there, gets the win. I don't know why total strikes seem to be on a lot Lezzy's side. I'd have to... I remember watching the fight. I just don't remember a whole lot about it. But anyway, good for Muslim. He's fun to watch. That was a fun fight to watch. And then you had the showstopper in the prelims, Jiri Projacek versus Vulcan Ozdemir. Man, I thought Vulcan was going to go in there. And, uh, sorry, guys. Uh, was really going to go in there and, you know, show him the no time. But turns out this Jerry guy, who's real entertaining to watch, throws shots from weird angles, uh, really has a groovy feel to him as far as he kind of just does what comes naturally to his body type and what comes naturally to the way he moves. So he throws these long punches, looping punches. I personally, if I tried to do that with my body type, I'd get knocked the fuck out. He's got this long, lanky body type that allows him to be like this loose you know, shoot shot, like shoots these hooks from areas that you wouldn't expect. And he clips Vulcan in the second round and then kind of just finishes it. And he had a lot of good looks too in the finishing sequence, right? He he goes for a flying knee, that's not there. He fakes an elbow, he realizes that's not there. And anytime he's getting close, he realizes Vulcan's doing a really good job of eluding him and getting enough distance and getting enough cover on, you know, um, around his head to protect him from any, you know, winding, reckless shots that Jiri was trying to throw, you know, to get that knockout, to get that, to get that highlight. To, to, but he, he did what you're supposed to do. You know, 27 and 3 and 1 draw, coming off of like 7 knockout wins in a row. He was patient instead of trying to, you know, instead of extending himself on the elbow or really going for the flying knee, he got himself close into range. He got himself into elbow range, realized he's too close, pushes off Vulcan, and just goes straight one-two. And the one and the two that put him down was so devastating. You see Vulcan's leg go backwards. I mean, you know, 200-something-plus-pound man punching another 200-plus-pound man. It's going to look bad. But the ability to, in that heat of trying to find someone, picks the perfect shot, that's a very veteran move, and you don't really see that. A whole lot. You, I was expecting like a TKO of like just, but the fact that he could, in that moment of chaos, pick the right shot and the shot selection, uh, just shows the savvy that he has on the big stage. Even though it's not, you know, there's not all those people in front of him anymore. Um, but you know, it just it it just shows that he's definitely someone to watch in this light heavyweight division. And I mean, he takes Vulcan's spot. 
Um, and Volk was doing a really good job. You know, strike uh, strike wise, Jerry was getting outstruck and stuff. But and he was saying in the post fight con- press conference, he was like, "I was expecting Vulcan to go for takedowns more." And I was like, "That makes a lot of sense. It makes a whole bunch of sense because for a guy that you can't really get a lot of v- views on because he's a Ryzen fighter, um, you know, other promotion fighter." Like, you can only get, and especially if he's coming off of, like, seven knockouts in a row, you can only get so much footage on a guy before you go. Sometimes you just got to out-wrestle them. And we'll get to that in the main event. But sometimes just controlling the fight with grappling is a way to deal with an, uh, a, in a new coming, like a, you know, a, new, a newcomer to the UFC. All right. So why don't we get into the main card because the underdogs came to fight today or Saturday, um, except for the main event or the, the it starts off with the flyweight. Starts with the flyweight uh, matchup in Amanda Hebus versus Paige Van Zandt. I mean, if you're a negative 500 favorite, I expected her to go in there and submit Paige in that short of time, and she did. She she Paige is very or I guess. Michelle Watterson's very good at it. But Paige is another one that uh, likes to utilize the head and arm throw. In this case, Amanda Hibas with that black belt in judo gets the head and arm throw to the Kasa Katami um, and holds her in that position for a while. Uh, Paige was doing a good job getting that underhook, trying to take the back. But Amanda, black belt in jiu-jitsu, black belt in um, judo, as soon as Paige tries to come out to the outside, Amanda does that. Ronda Rousey, Honda Housey jumps over the back, uh, gets the back mount, but at the same time is controlling an arm. So she gets that real deep uh, Ronda Rousey armbar, you know, from the top mount or back mount. It was great. It was a great finish. I mean, she's great. She's a bubble of personality. My girlfriend and I were watching it, and my, you know, you have Paige, who's this Instagram star, and, you know, She's the star. She was a star in the UFC for a while because of her looks and her personality, and you know her fighting ability and being scrappy and having really, really entertaining fights. However, you know you got to also add in the fact that there's talent out there, and Amanda not only being talented, she's got the personality to back it up. My girlfriend's sitting there watching it, and she goes, "Wow, I really like this girl. Like she's cute." And I go, "Yeah, she's absolutely the personality is just exuding from her." on top of the fact that she's got this championship mindset and skill level, training with girls like Amanda Nunes, Nina Ansaroff, Whaley, or uh, Joanna Janjeche, all these girls that train at ATT. Uh, she's in the mix. Valerie Laredo, or Lareda. Like, all these girls that high level. Uh, Paige Van Zant, on the other hand, trains out of a small gym. Uh, I mean, it's a pretty big gym. But um, her training partners are mostly men. Not a lot of females help her out, and I think that's just a that's just a deficit. Because most of the time, if you are a girl, I mean, all the time when you're a girl, you're going to be fighting girls. And I'm not trying to be a, like sexist or anything like that, but the 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 fact is, the biological fact is, men are stronger than women. So when you, especially a hundred and this is flyweight, so 125-pound girl. Um, if you get a 125-pound man, they're going to be stronger than you. She trains with, like, Ricky Simone, who's a 135-pounder. 
My point of this is, if you train with guys that are stronger than you, they're always going to just, they're going to handicap themselves. They're going to make themselves, they're going to hold back, and you're going to feel them hold back. Girls get upset in jujitsu all the time when, girl, when guys hold back. And I get it. Like, you, you want to you be able to just, like, fight a guy and stuff. But I'm sorry. That's not the way life is. Like, there are girls out there. There's a girl in Tiger Muay Thai when I went to Thailand. I trained with her. Uh, what's her name? Max, Maxine? Max. Anyway, she's a IBGGF gold medalist black belt. When I rolled with her, I didn't know she was a black belt. She's about my size. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm a little bit bigger. But she's around my size. I roll with her. And her technique is so good that this is the moment where you realize that, yes, technique can work. She's very good. She's world champion level quality. She competes, or she, we train together. She catches me. Not really catches me. I mean, she sets up triangles. She's very, like I said, very good. Even if I wanted to, you know, being the same size, even if I wanted to use my muscle, it'd be very hard. However, she's a world champion, right? When you go to the UFC, you're fighting world champions in any aspect of sport, combat sport, besides, I mean, obviously, and MMA too. So when Paige fights a black belt and a black belt in two different arts and trains with world champions on all aspects and then goes, and herself being a high-level athlete, She's training with other high-level athletes, but they're not they're not allowing they're giving like 75% of themselves. And as a girl, you need to go with other girls that are as equal, if not as high level as you, and that's the iron that's gonna sharpen. But if you go with guys that are as a high level as you, like they're in the same, like they're both high, like you both are on the same stage as far as both UFC fighters. It's just not, it's not, it's not, not necessarily, it's not fair. It's just, it's not going to help you when you're training. You need a stable of other female girls. It's very hard, to, it's very hard for right now. I mean, as the sport grows and the more girls fight, the more you see it. And that's how Amanda Hebus is so successful in that area. But if Paige is going to, if Paige wants to continue fighting and she was testing free agency with this fight, she go if she wants to continue doing well and wants to actually better herself. She's gonna need to have to change and camp, or she's gonna have to bring some girls into camp. Even Rose, a person that's fought, that's uh, fought her before. In the next fight, and we'll get into that. Rose is trained with Valentina Shevchenko. I know Rose is very her training is very directed towards her, and they do everything for her. And if Paige wants to go that route, that's fine. But you're going to have to get people that make you look like shit. And you're going to have to train with them. And they're going to have to make you better. And that's the only way to go about it. If you are the sole fighter in your group and everything wants to be focused on you, you can do that. However, it, the reason why it doesn't it, – it has a cap on how well it helps you is you're not getting the same looks. You need high-level looks. And if you're a guy, 
you can only give them a certain high level look until you're like beaten up on them. And so you need, and also speed wise too. Girls are way faster than guys, especially if, uh, 125. You can find some fast guys, but girls will always be faster than guys in that sense because 115s, 125. You need that same pace. You need that same speed. You need that same emotional fight that girls have that guys, you know, they don't have that little thing. You watch two girls, and we'll get into, and we're gonna get into strawweight stuff. So why don't we move into the Jessica Andrade, Rose Namajunas, Rose Namajunas getting a f- three round. Uh, decision over Jessica as we were like it, the game plan went exactly how it was supposed to go when you when she fought Jessica the first time Jessica made her adjustments and used a lot more head movement Tyson-esque to get inside like the feints to get inside on Rose and use that left hook which um, really busted up her eye and her nose like busted up her nose bad in that third round I mean Jessica is the essentially fighting it's like fighting John Lineker or uh, Rumble Johnson. Like, you're going to get out of a third-round decision, but you're probably going to look like shit um, unless you finish her. And there was a couple of times where Rose landed this nice right hand. And the her technique is so perfect. Her jab is phenomenal. Um, I love watching Rose fight. I currently am working with this, uh, with this girl in Muay Thai, a uh, young girl in Muay Thai, doing privates with her. And uh, if... And trying to emulate or try to take someone's game plan or a movement, like Rose is that person. Rose is a is a is a fighter that girls all over the world should watch as far as how you should fight. Um, I mean, of course, to her body, you know, to your to the way your body works. But at the same time, Rose is so fundamentally great with her striking. Um, the in and out, like not the in and out, but the lateral movement. Um, in and out movement's great. Right, we get a lot of that, and that was like the, that was like, what's the word for it? The in and out movement was the revolution in MMA in a way, right? Because MMA is so much like fencing, where you have such smaller gloves, no shin pads, no nothing, that damage is high for the, for the lead, it's like bare knuckle boxing. You don't throw as many strikes, but the strikes that you do throw cause way more damage than in boxing. Um... The punch counts, the strike counts aren't as high. I mean, it can be if you're Joanna John Jacek or something. But Rose, and I'm going to give credit to Trevor Whitman and obviously Pat Berry, they changed it even to less of an in and out and more of a windshield wiper motion. So instead of trying to get this like explosive in-out motion, which can fuck your knees up pretty bad, Rose does this constant going to the right, going to the left, going to the right, going to the left. As soon as Joanna, or as soon as Jessica threw a very heavy right hand, she'd slip under it and then take control of the right, or take control of the center of the octagon. Just like Trevor Whitman said, last round, she's, he's like, he's gonna, she's going to come hard, stand your ground. Now, when you see that, most people are like, well, she backs up. She backs up with a purpose. She backs up like Jessica, when Jessica comes forward. She backs up and then picks a direction to exit before she even reaches the black lines. As soon as Jessica overextends, Rose dips underneath it, takes the center again. She is standing her ground. She's got a lot. She's got a little bit of room to move. Doesn't necessarily mean she should move back all the way. But in that moment where she moves back two or three steps, 
and then makes the sudden change left or right make it very unpredictable. It allows Jessica to then overextend and then throw herself into, um, and then going back to like chasing her, going back to trying to, you know, circle her into the cage. Unbelievable footwork from Rose. Uh, Wait, like the mental, her mental state's amazing too. Her ability to get hurt, keep it together, uh, especially something like that. Like you should see her eye and her nose. Like I thought it was real bad when I first saw her that she got busted open. But she kept it together. Champ mindset. She clearly wants to get that championship back. I love to see her against um, Jean Whaley. I think that's going to be more of a. That's going to be like a real hard fight for Rose in that case. Like, Jessica's a very good... Like, she's a good step up for... Not step up, but, like, a, she's she's a good testing, you know, a, a contender fight for any girl before they fight the champ. Like, if you can get through Jessica Andrade and you can get through that hell of a fight, like, the championship is the next fight you should have. And I think Rose versus Whaley would be an amazing fight. Uh, and it would really show where Whaley is. If Whaley can beat Joanna in a five-round fight, she can knock out Jessica Andrade. Well, the only other girl to hold the title at straw weight is Rose and Carlos Bardo. But uh, is Rose, so why not figure out how you stand against her? And I think that's perfect, and it would be a great fight. As far as Jessica goes, I don't know. She can fight anyone. Uh, she could get a rematch with Joanna if she wanted to. Um, just depends on who she's looking for. I mean, straw weight divisions, fucking stacked. So there's always someone. All right, so let's get into the three title belt or three title fights, and I will write down the timestamp so you can. I'll put it in the thing. So for the Petter Yawn. So Petter Yawn and Jose Aldo. Um, hold on, band. Um, that is going to be it. Okay. So, what a fight, man. So, Jose Aldo, leg kicks first round were going great. Uh, kicks Petter's legs twice, first, second round. Kicks his legs out from under him. Uh, Jose's doing a very good job. He's not even letting Petter walk him down. If you don't remember the first fight with, uh, with or the fight right before this that uh, Piotr had. I'm going to say Piotr. I don't, I don't know what his correct pronunciation is. But... If you remember that the previous fight with Faber, he walks Faber down without even throwing one punch. Piotr's very good at keeping his, you know, his guard up, establishing his his presence, and corralling someone into an area that they don't feel comfortable. This is one of those cases where Piotr was throwing missing, but not missing because he was missing on purpose in order to hit Aldo, but missing because Aldo was making a miss. Aldo looked fantastic. He beat Piotr's legs up to the point where he had Piotr very hurt. Had to, Piotr had to switch stances, felt very uncomfortable from, from uh, Southpaw. And Aldo, everyone counted him out so hard, but this guy fought so fucking well. I don't like him at 135. I think every shot he takes wobbles him a little bit like, with Edson Barbosa, every shot that he took from Dan Inge, you go, oh, my God. I think the lack of, I think the lack of strength, right? If you went up to 155, I'd feel better because he'd keep the speed. 
Um, he might not have the power, but he'd at least keep that speed without having to risk the fragility of, you know, taking a hard shot. And we saw it in this fight. We're going to start working towards it. So Piotr starts making adjustments. And uh, he hurts Aldo. Let me get the... Let me get some of the highlights from the fight. Because... uh, Am I about to just like hold on? Hmm. Uh I just wanna the reason why I'm looking it up is because there's a there's a turning point where he it's in the fifth round. But um So fourth round, he's still southpaw. He's trying to he's he comes alive. He he digs deep in that Serbian mind, and that's another thing is, and we'll talk about it. But he digs deep in that fourth round. And he just he goes back to traditional yawn, keeps the guard up, walks forward, throws shots, body head, body head, takes some of the shots, gets him into the clench, starts dirty boxing, and it's the fight that Aldo didn't want. And Jan starts picking it up. He's like, all right, the leg kicks. That's enough that I can get. And then he starts pouring it on him. Um, He does a sweep, a very sick sweep. Gets on top for the last round. Oh, that was the thing in the first round. He punches Jose to the body at the end of the first round and hurts Jose to the body real hard. Uh, Probably hits the wind out of him. And uh, he does it again in the fourth round towards the end. He hits Aldo with one big shot, and then Aldo turns. Oh, wait. No, that was in the... Yeah. So then he's hurt. He's hurt going into the fifth round. He's tired. He's hurt. The fifth round comes. Jan just comes forward doing the same game plan in the fourth, and then drops him with an uppercut. Well, Aldo's already... He's already melting. Like, he's already... And this is the part where I just really don't want to watch it. Aldo... Gets stuck in a half guard. Um, crucifix bottom position. And starts getting pounded. He arm traps. He does hammer fists. And, and when you hear these shots, they're fucking hard. The ref should be strung up for what he allowed to happen to Aldo. Aldo is a former champ. Arguably the GOAT of the featherweight division. Max has made his case, but you're talking about the guy that held the title, um, was the first champion of featherweight, and it took him forever until someone dethroned him. For the beating he took, especially at a lower weight class, and like I was saying, I do not like when fighters go lower because the damage that they're going to take is going to hurt more than before because they don't have that extra cushion. Maybe... They essentially sign themselves to be more fragile. He takes these hard shots. These are hard hammer fists. He rolls. He's in a puddle of his own blood. He's, 
he's he's trying to escape. He's back rolling. He's moving to the side. He's turtled up at this point that I'm watching, and he's got one arm trapped. Eventually, he lets go of the arms, the arm Petter, or Piotr, and just starts teeing off with him with both hands. And it wasn't until then that uh, it wasn't until then that the ref stopped it. He's taking elbows. He's not doing anything. He's just sitting there getting hit. Hey, if you're a rep, fucking stop the fight. He's just sitting there and taking shots. There's no shots coming back at Piotr. It's just, it's just Aldo trying to, one, stand up or trying to not get hit. Taking shots. There's no, there's, it's not, they're surviving, right? They're past the fighting back and they're now in a survival state. Obviously, Aldo wants to win the fight. Obviously, he wants to go to decision. He doesn't want to get stopped with like 30 seconds left. No one does. He's a, he's a champion, right? He's been a champion, former champion, former GOAT. But it's your job as a referee to recognize when someone's just drowning and when someone is just, you know, playing dead in a pool. Like, you, you have to understand that this person is a, in a puddle of their own blood holding their head and moving. The only reason why they're moving is because you haven't stepped in there and fucking stopped the thing. They're moving to survive. They're not moving to get a better position. They're moving because they're surviving. Surviving for their life, not surviving for a title fight. When I saw him with his arm trapped just swinging hammer fist down, stop the fucking fight. That's it. It's over. Aldo's got one arm trapped, and the other hand is fucking protecting his face. He's not going anywhere. He just got dropped. He got dropped five seconds in the last round. He's not going anywhere. Save him. Because he's not going to save himself. He's a champion for a reason. That's your job. If you see a puddle of blood, and you can hear the fucking corner, you can hear the commentary booth going, stop the fight. The referee of that fight should be fired immediately. I don't care what anyone says. They should be, they should be fired You ended, he ended someone's career. Um, like, I don't want to, I don't want to think that way of, of Aldo, but Aldo's career has ended. Jose doesn't have anything after this. Jose's got months and months of just relaxing and not doing anything. Jose had his career ended that night, and I don't think we'll ever see the same Jose after this. You can't go wars and wars with people. You can't have two war, you can't have you can't have a war with Chad Mendez, a war with two wars with Frankie Edgar, um, Korean Zombie. I mean, Connor, yeah, you can even say that, just getting fucking dropped five seconds into the fight. Um, who else? Like, you can't. I forget. Who else? Oh, Max. There we go. That's the person I meant to say. Max, two times. The way he beat him twice. I thought after those two times, I was like, oh, I don't know if Jose's going to be able to come back after this. And even the fights that he comes back, he gets a little tagged. Marlon Rice gets tagged. Aldo is now, I know his last fight seemed like he won. He's now lost three fights in a row. The Volkanovski fight, he, you know, he... He won, or he lost. It was a close split decision. 
Marlon Marais arguably thought he won that fight, but he took some damage in that first round. And that's what I mean. That Petra Yan thing, you just let a guy take all that damage. For what? For what? Nothing. Nothing. I, I, unbelievable. All right, so now we got to talk about the next fight. Uh, we got, for Petr, what's next? Okay, let's go, oh, actually, before. What's next for Petr Jan? So what's next for Petr Jan is essentially a fight against Aljermaine Sterling or a fight against, yeah, Aljermaine Sterling. Cody Garbrandt's trying to sneak in there and talk shit. You got to give Aljermaine Aljo his fight. And if not Aldo, or if not, and if not Aljo, I guess Cody. I don't know. You have to. I'm gonna look at the. Uh, uh, to be to be fair, it, to me, it's Aldo or nothing, or it's Aljo or not Al Aljamaine Sterling or nothing. I think he's the only one that's, like, won something recently. Um, won against a high-level guy. So, yeah. So, Marlon's number two. Aljamain Sterling's two, or one, I assume. Yeah, it's Aljamain Sterling or Broke. That's who I think. All right, so let's get into... And Aldo, like I said, I don't know, recover, figure out what's next. Uh, I don't want him to do anything, to be honest. All right, so next, uh, Featherweight. We had Volkanovski versus um, Max Holloway uh, rematch. So in the rematch... Max made some adjustments. It's like Max listens to my podcast. Max threw a lot of kicks in the beginning, right? He threw a lot of snap kicks up the middle. He kept Alexander Volkanovsky from coming forward. A lot of linear strikes to stop Alexander from faking and coming in hard. He drops Alexander Volkanovsky with a head kick. He drops him with an uppercut later on. It was an amazing fight. Alexander Volkanovsky goes on to win the fight. Now, there's a... At the moment, I thought, holy shit, Max... I didn't get robbed, but holy shit, these judges don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Now, the strike differential makes sense, and Alexander also... Uh, he, he secured three takedowns. He didn't do anything with the takedowns, so I don't really count them. You have to... For me, if you want, which fucking sucks, because I said this about the John Jones fights. Was it John Jones? I think it was a John Jones fight. When you take someone down, according to the rules, it counts for something, Right? I don't know if it's the structure of the way things are judged that makes it hard to not count those takedowns because it's three. 
of nine. I think three of nine. Right. So three of nine takedowns attempted. He doesn't really do anything with them. Max gets right back to his feet. But I guess in the eyes of the judges, if the butt hits the mat, it's takedown, and then that a little bit helps his case. Because the way that judges are, judging is looked at is like round by round, which sucks. I think the whole fight should be accounted for, right? It's a fight, so round by round, it's like, okay. You have like five different fights every round. And if you want to look at it that way, you have five different fights every round. Two of those rounds, Max won, or two fights, two of those fights within this one big fight, Max won decisively. He had a knockdown. And then if, in the, if we're going through boxing and we're going through this wrestling, this old-timey, this old-timey judging, the boxing should be, for the boxing judging criteria, Alexander gets knocked down. It's a 10-8. He didn't work back from it. First round should be a 10-8. The next time he gets knocked down by an uppercut, if he didn't work back from it, should be another 10-8. In turn, Max should have won the fight. But this is where this, this new-agey way of thinking comes in. And yes, I can easily fall in line with the new, way, the new age of repping. But in that case, John Jones isn't a champion anymore, right? Because Dominic Cruz or Dominic Reyes beat him with the new age style. Jones is very good at the at securing a win through the old criteria. And when the new criteria gets changed, he'll make his adjustments accordingly. But Alexander Vol- Volkanovsky, he, out, he edged everything out by the leg kicks, the adding up points throughout the whole, throughout the whole fight. Do I agree with it? No. He got knocked down twice. Um, but it's towards the end. Hold on. I am going to put up my highlights. So, yeah. As I'm watching this, he's doing a lot of the... He's pressuring, he's pressuring Volkanovsky the same way he did Max Holloway. He pressures him, um, circles to his right side so the power of the kicks are smothered and he, st- he he was just landing better all his shots were to the head he didn't land as much but they were all damaging shots they're all to the head um every time that he would try to get himself in max would do his footwork move out and then see volkanovsky's doing all the same feints doing all the same thing, feints, and Max is reading it. Uh, Max employed a lot more kicking, and I think that's great for his game. He needs to kick more, especially against shorter fighters. There's no reason for him not to. I think he fell in love with his hands so much, and a lot of his other fight, uh, and a lot of the other fighters he fought, uh, Frankie Edgar, Brian Ortega, um, even Dustin Poirier, all those fighters, like, kicking-wise... I can understand why it wouldn't be a part of your game. Um, Max, uh, and and it's hard because it's hard to go to the body on Volko. He's shorter than you. So what are you going to do? Risk going to the body to get hit? You have to have Volkanovsky hurt pretty bad 
to be able to get him to shell up that way. And I loved it. He faked the left hook, getting Volkanovski to circle to his right, and that's where that kick came up. The kicks up the middle are amazing. Um, he, he, like, slaps... They, this this sport is so hard, right? You have to account for ring generalship, being able to control the octagon, because that's one point of it. You have to employ all your game. You have to make sure you don't get out-wrestled. You have to make sure that you don't get outstruck. But at the same time, you have to constantly employ forward pressure. If you're constantly employing forward pressure, unless you're fucking Floyd Mayweather, you're going to get hit. So the idea that Volkanovski wins straight off of the versatility of strikes and, you know, going up and down, I get it. Like, I get the idea. His, I mean, Max's leg is fucked up after this fight. The uppercuts, too. Like, thing, the uppercuts on Volkanovski, because Volkanovski was uh, level-changing as a, as a feint. So check hooks were there. Max just did a way better job this time around. I could see towards the end, he was starting to, he's trying to slow, and you can only take so many of those kicks. Let's see. Yeah, Max was feeling himself too. I wish I knew what round this was. I don't know what round this is that I'm watching. Once he starts getting Volkanovski back past the two black lines, he saw a lot of he saw a lot of success. The leg kicks, yeah, they add points. But the effectiveness of leg kicks, how effective are they when you're getting knocked down? You know what I mean? And you're still getting walked down. It's... See, yeah, I mean, see, this person saying Volko was never wobbled. You, uh, I mean, obviously, I'm in YouTube comments, so fucking take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. This person says Max clearly won. He looked like he was never in danger. Facts. Alex was almost asleep several times. I wouldn't say he was almost asleep, but he did get dropped. Um, yeah, most of these people can't even fucking speak English. Um, so when I see a fighter get wobbled or dropped twice, it's now time for them to work back. And I never really saw that. I thought Max controlled the fight. I thought they controlled the fight. 
Um, I think the I think it's the takedowns. It, it, that's what I mean. That's what it seems like everyone's saying. Want him to fight. I don't know. I'll rewatch it again. I'll come back to you guys tomorrow and talk about it. I'm going to do the breakdown tomorrow for uh for the the card on Wednesday. Um I'll just finish up today with breaking down these fights. Um it's tough. It's tough cuz where does this go for Alexander Volkanovski? He's 2 and 0 against Max Holloway. And these fights are extremely close. Arguably, Max even won this second round. Let's say Max won this fight. He didn't, but, you know, in the argument of he won but lost, right? So it's so so close, he should have probably won. Where does that put Alexander Volkanovsky? Who does he fight next? You go to the light or you go to the featherweight rankings... And uh, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of fighters in the wings ready to ready to get in there, right? Zabit is supposed to fight Yair soon. Brian Ortega is supposed to fight Chan Sung Jung. Calvin Cater is fighting Dan Inge for some reason. Um, Josh Emmett is probably going to fight someone, maybe uh, Arnold Allen or something like that. So, for this time around, I guess Zabit, or I guess Volkanovski is going to just have to hang out for a second and see where everything takes him. See what, the, what shakes out in the featherweight division. We'll see what the Calvin Cater-Dan Inge fight. If Calvin wins, and I think that's, uh, that boosts him up to either a fight with Volkanovski, Holloway, or Zabit versus or Zabit versus Yair. Whoever wins that probably would get a title shot. But I think the biggest title shot is going to come between the Brian Ortega chance on junk fight. Whoever wins that, I think gets next in line. Um, at least I think with the chance, if Chance on Jung wins, I think he should be next in line. But. That's really what's for Volkanovski. If it's up to Max, Max is trying to get in there as fast as his body can allow him. And that's going to have to be against someone that he can make a statement against and really prove that he deserves to be back there. I don't know. He's beaten. He beat Brian. He beat Frank, or he beat Jeremy Stevens. Oh, Josh Emmett, I mean, he's coming up in the rankings. So that's what you're. Ho- that's what we're hoping. We're hoping for that. I, I'm very, I'm very confused. I don't know. Oh, yeah, Big John McCarthy says there's poor judging. But Max Holloway, class as ever. Max Holloway, class as ever. 
just landed in Vegas for another quarantine and was told some guys in the media are receiving death threats for saying my fight was not a robbery. This is not okay. I appreciate everyone who wants to ride for me, but it ain't it. He also came, Holloway is one of those people that was like, we need better judging. Um, Holloway also tweeted or tweeted something that was like super Holloway. Um, and he's like, it is what it was. Da 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 da. He'll be back. And I, that's the stuff I can appreciate. I think I think Max is Max is okay with the fact that he's not champion. He's a champion. He'll always be a champion, right? In his mind, he's always the champion. I think he's okay with not having the gold on his on his weight or having it at home. Or he says he's got five at home, right? I think he's in the point of his life and it shows extreme maturity that he can go, I'm not the champion right now. I went twice with a champion, basically one, right? Almost one. I am a champion. I just don't have a gold belt around my waist. And I think that helps him because anyone he fights, he can always just, he's, he's always going to have a champion mindset regardless if he's got the gold strap or wearing the black shorts. It doesn't matter. And I think that's what makes him so dangerous. There's a lot of people that think they're champions only when they have the belt, and then when they don't have the belt, they're not a champion, and they're like, oh, I'm not a champion. I don't know if I'll ever get back to that. Max isn't that. Max is like, I've got five championships. It proves that I am a champion of a person, and anytime I step in there, it's a championship fight because I am what embodies the qualities of a champion. And I love Max for that, and I think that's why everyone loves him for it. And that's why a lot of people are coming after this fight going, well, you know, it's a robbery, and they're really riding hard for him. All right, so why don't we get into the main event, and I will give you guys the rest of your day because it's only been an hour. All right, so at 50 minutes we'll get, okay, so main event. Um... Usman versus Masvidal. Like I said, the underdogs came to fight today or last night. Max almost won. Aldo gave five rounds of fighting that I didn't expect to come out of him against the uh, against Petter Jan. Um, he really showed a lot of people that were really counting out Aldo. My friends like old man Aldo, and I was like, Mr. Wait. And then Usman, or and then Masvidal, six days notice. You can only do so much, right, to get ready for a guy like Kamar Usman. Jorge Masvidal was the impressive performance of the night out of that. Kamara did everything that we knew Kamara was going to do. He took him down, he foot-stomped him, and he controlled the fight. Congrats. 263 total strikes, 94 significant ones, 5 takedowns out of 16 takedowns. That's a 31 percentage. Hey, that's a failing grade anyway. <laughs> Masvidal showed why he's the people's champ in this fight. Kamaro showed why he's technically the champ. I'm not saying technically, like, he wasn't the champ. It, like, technic- like, through his perform- uh, technical performance, he showed why he's the champ. Control, um, getting shots in when he needs to get the shots in, using the feints of the takedown. Um, but man, there were moments where, in the, especially in the very beginning, 
and you got to you got to give it to Masvidal going all five rounds, even though he, you know, was not ready for the like not prepared to fight this past weekend. He was getting that low kick fucked him. Usman caught it, took him to the ground in the first round, and that's where the that's where it mostly stayed until Masvidal got back to his feet. Usman submit. I don't think Masvidal feared the submissions from Usman, so I think it allowed him to be a little bit more free in the scrambling. Uh, the switching from southpaw to body kicks. He would, and anytime Usman was up against the cage, Masvidal wouldn't. He would embrace that inside the pocket punching and stuff. Inside the clench, like he enjoyed. He he didn't mind it. He had a great – there's a moment where he grabs Usman's – he two-on-ones Usman's arms in the clinch. It's a very wrestling thing to do, but in a fight, two-on-one, what you're essentially doing is you're taking a weapon away from somebody. So then the control that Usman's using that with that one hand, now that's the only thing it can do is control you and keep you there. Moswell, on the other hand, has the other hand controlled – so he's already got control of it, but now he can let go of one control, hit with the other, go back to the same control, and Usman is stuck with a decision. Do I hold him here while taking shots, or do I make an adjustment but allow him to escape? And so he does. And then Masvidal's back to the center, picking those strikes. He's doing the switch stance to... He's doing the switch stance that he did against the, the ATT special against him like those you switch your feet come over the top with the right hand but Masvidal I mean it shows he hits hard the bow nickel I mean even in this fight being able to taking shots to the ground and he gets cut a little bit he gets he gets a cut from a headbutt and gets another cut maybe from a elbow but man just to show Masvidal seems to be able to like defensively not wear it at all and I love it 40 fights and you know, barely has any cauliflower ear and barely has any scar tissue. <clears throat> so for four, four, three more rounds, it's just it's just to the cage, the double to the cage, and then trying to hold him, and then these little shots. Anytime it got into open space, Masvidal would they would throw shots, Usman would hit one or two, and then Masvidal's like three, four, five. And those three or four, five shots would make Usman go, uh, I'm okay. Usman hits him in the fourth round. Uh, there's a moment where Usman has him against the cage, and he's hitting him with these left hands, left hands, left hands, and Masvidal's just smiling at him, grinning, giving, showing him no respect. And then Masvidal hits him once, and Usman walks all the way to the other side of the, other side of the black lines. There's just a difference in pop and it showed. Usman was taking him down so he didn't have to strike with him. It was an amazing showing for somebody who came in six days' notice and then forced the champion to just wrestle his heart out so he didn't have to do something. Oh, here we go. Holloway thinks he proved his point. 
Oh, here it is. Uh, okay, here's another one. Life isn't fair. It's even more fair for many other people in the world than it will ever be for me. He's got such a good head on his shoulder. I love Max Holloway. People are employed right now with no end in sight, and it's not their fault. It is what it was. Nothing, has, nothing changed for me as a fighter. We proved our point. I still have five belts at home. I'm 28 and healthy. Blessed era continues. Bless yourself. Amazing. A fucking amazing of a person. Um, so anyway, I think th- that's, my, that's my take on the fights. Uh, what's next for Usman? Gilbert Burns. Oh, I mean, it's only, it's only fair because he, he was slated to fight him anyways. Gilbert Burns fight. What's next for Masvidal? I don't know. He's got like a six-fight contract or something like that worth millions of dollars. So, bro, give him entertaining fights. Like, he, he wants to fight Usman again because he, he, he came out of the, press, the post-fight. Excuse me. He came out of the post-fight conference saying, saying, like, I know what I need to do to beat him. But he just needs the six weeks. The eight weeks or whatever. He just needs that time. You can't do it off of six days. But he, he showed, I think he showed to people, like, Usman's beatable. That's why I really like Leon Edwards in that fight. I know they fought once before, but Leon Edwards, you know, he comes back, he tries it again. Usman's not, like, invincible. He's not the Superman of the division, right? He, even though he's beaten streaks on streaks on streaks... He's 7-0 when it comes to ATT fighters. He puts on very dominant performances. No, 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 no. He's beatable. There's a way. There's a strategy. You're just not going to break him. You can't break him mentally. You're going to shut him off, or you're going to have to put him in a submission. And I think a guy like Leon Edwards has, uh, has that pedigree with the submissions that can make him, you know, question the stand-up, force the takedown, and, you know get Leon Edwards into a submission situation. So anyway, those are the fights. I'm going to put down in the, in, the, in the comments or in the bottom in the description where I start breaking them down so you guys can go to the timestamp and get my idea. That's all I have for you today. I hope you guys enjoy your Monday. I'll be back tomorrow to break down the fights for Wednesday. Um, once again, this has been an episode of Southern Scrap Nation's podcast. You can follow me and everything else on SouthernScrapNation.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, all your listening devices to find the podcast. And you can find me, Daniel Jonas, anywhere. All right? I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope you guys enjoy your next your day, and I'll see you tomorrow.